Well, good morning, church. It's been a good morning already, hasn't it? So glad that you're here or that you're joining us online. I'm excited to be able to spend these next three weeks thinking about how we might do a reset in this season. If you have any kind of electronic device, you've probably had this experience where it just doesn't work the way it should. It gets glitchy. You've got a smartphone and you're trying to tap something and it doesn't move and you get frustrated. And uh, so you go online and figure out what it is and they say, just do a hard reset. Power it off and turn it on. And some devices have other mechanisms of how to do this kind of a reboot. Well, I think we're in that kind of a season right now where we need to do a bit of a reset or a reboot. We often consider a new calendar year to be a time for a fresh start, but I think that right now is a really good time for us to rethink some of our priorities. There's no doubt that COVID has disrupted and transformed everything that we knew and did as individuals, as a family, and as a church. There's very little in our lives that is still the same. You think about it. uh, Who ever thought, like, Most of you who might be even ordering groceries online, you never even thought that you'd be doing that. And now not only are you maybe ordering them online, they're either being delivered or you're picking them up curbside. Um, Eating out is completely different if you've tried that. Uh, School, talking to some of the students, high school students, who are spending an entire morning in one class and then an entire afternoon in another class. Everything is different. Sports. And and having these cohorts, all of these things, and no doubt you've known that church is different as well. I think for a while, when this all started, we all just thought that, you know, this is going to pass and that we're going to return to normal. Now we're already all tired of terms like new normal, not to mention, you know, unprecedented times and uncertain times, and that favorite of ours, we're all in this together. Makes me want to sing like a high school musical song. Do you remember that? I remember when Anna was like eight. That was like one of her her things. And so I got, I hope I didn't plant that song in anybody's head um, right now. But we, you know, it's funny when that comes from like our favorite retail store. Really? You care about me and we're in this together? That's so great. The fact is, COVID-19 is a reality and and it has become a way, uh, a part of the way that we, we live we will um, have to learn to do some of the same things differently, at least for a while, maybe even a long while. Maybe some things have changed forever. But my point in all of this is that we can't just wait for this to go away and return to some normal. We do need to go on living, taking into consideration all of the recommended precautions, do the things that we need to do, recognizing that for each of us, this situation is unique, and we may have different experiences and different health issues that we need to be concerned about. But in all of this, we do need to exercise our faith. And that's why I think it's a great time to rethink our priorities. Maybe the things we used to think that were so important aren't maybe really that important after all, and you've realized that the loss of those has meant you haven't really missed that. And we can drop those things and kind of move on. But in this season, what should we prioritize? Well, I want you to consider this an invitation to reset. Consider some of the things in your own life. What are those things that are very important to you? What are those things that are non-negotiable? And especially when it comes to matters of faith. How am I going to live out my faith? 
How will I know Jesus intellectually more? How, how will I walk with Jesus personally and more intentionally? How will I share Jesus more intentionally? When it comes to matters of faith, what things have you maybe left on the back burner when in fact they should be a front burner issue for you? The invitation as followers of Jesus is always for us to go and to grow deeper. And that is the word that is framing our theme for this entire year, just deeper. Putting down our roots deeper. Building the foundation uh, upon which we build our lives. But to go deeper, I believe there first needs to be this reset. Now, part of the reason for this focus is that this is where I believe God is calling us as a church and each of us as individuals. I took some time myself in August just to pray through and think through some of my own priorities. I've made some changes and some tweaks to my my daily and weekly schedule. I now have a bunch of reminder alarms for various things that annoy people, but they're important to me. And it's just a a, a key way of reminding me of what are the things that I want to be intentional about in the way that I use my my time. And for me, uh, God has just brought me to this place of, Norb, you need to to consider this issue of self-control. And self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm asking God that He would help me in that area so that, that the things that I want to do, I actually do, and the things I don't want to do, I don't do. You know, I, uh, about a year, not quite a year ago, I got a, a, a smartwatch, and uh, those of you who have an Apple Watch know the activity tracker. And I looked back, and uh, in February, I had about 15 workouts in the month, and a workout for me was considered like 30 minutes or more of exercise in February. In March, that was three. In April, that was once in the entire month. In June, I think it was another one time. And I started to feel that in my own spirit and my own soul, that I wasn't walking enough, I wasn't getting out. I think I've talked to you about getting out and doing bike rides this summer, all of this activity. And and it's not just in terms of how God cares about us physically, but even spiritually. And so it's so important for us to think about our own lives and the things that we're investing our times on. And so in this season, I'm convinced that we must have a clear understanding of our values We need to ask God individually, what are those things that are important? What are the things that we need to put on the front burner of our lives? We might even ask Him what some of the idols are that have developed in our lives. What have we elevated in importance beyond what it should be? Perhaps even to the neglect of more important things. COVID-19 has revealed much about who we are and who we are becoming. Some of it good and some of it not so good. Isolation was already an issue for many before COVID. Now it's deeper and more widespread. And so I'm going to invite you to consider this morning this priority of community. Next week, we'll look at what it means to be on mission, and then Pastor Adam will help us explore what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus in just a couple of weeks. And so let's think about community in the church this morning. <clears throat> to begin, I, I think it'll be helpful to just think about the church and how it really functions as a community, right? There's no doubt that COVID has changed the way that we do church, but it has not changed who the church is. 
I said this before, but most of the time when we refer to church, we are actually misusing the word church, right? It's common for us to say things like, I'm going to church. We, we recognize what that means, but it kind of sets a, a different perspective on what church is. Or you might say, hurry up, we're going to be late for church. Now, of course, none of you would, would ever have to say that. But church is not something you go to or attend. Church is something you belong to. And sometimes we refer to the building as the church. We refer to the physical structure as the church. And we say, I or we maybe go to the church in Twilligertown, you know, the one across from the, the Circle K. And we teach our kids this, this nursery rhyme. Have you ever seen this, right? Where you take the two hands and like, how does it go? Sorry. This, you know, this is the church and here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. It's so cute, isn't it? And it's so wrong, <laughs> right? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see the church because the church are the people. You are the church. We are the church. And COVID has a huge has had a huge impact on on how we meet as a church, but it hasn't changed who we are as the church. And I think it's helpful for us to understand church not to be where right in this physical building on the corner of Town Center Boulevard and Twilliger Common, or or when at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Because if we think that way, what happens if we can't meet on Sunday mornings or at a specific place? Does the church then somehow no longer exist? Now, of course, that what if became a reality back in mid-March. But even though we we couldn't meet in person as a church, we, we never stopped being the church. Because the church is not where and when, but the church is who and what. And the Bible teaches us about the church. And there's many places that we could go, and I just want to land in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12 for a few moments this morning to just lay this foundation again on what is the church and who is the church. And in 1 Peter, Peter uses the Old Testament to describe Jesus and how there are really two basic responses to, to who Jesus is. This is it. It boils down to these two choices. You either reject him and some refuse to believe in him, and others receive him. You see, Jesus comes to us with an invitation to follow him, and some receive that invitation, and others reject it. But those who receive that invitation, they, in essence, put their trust and their faith in Jesus, or they receive him. So they're called And they respond by believing in him. And by believing in him, we then enter into relationship with him and everyone else who has also received him. And so while we come to faith in Jesus personally and individually, we then live that out in relationship with others who have also come to faith in Jesus. There is this single focus, but there's also a plural focus. See, oftentimes we think about the church only sometimes in terms of me or I, and that's where churches get into trouble because we all come with our own preferences and we like it this way or we like it that way or whatever it is. But we forget that it's really about us and about we. 
And Peter goes on to describe what happens when we come to faith in Jesus. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, You are being built into a spiritual house. You are being built into a spiritual house. And by you, he is referring to those who have come to faith in Jesus, whom he describes in verse 10 as people who at one time were without mercy, without hope, and without God. But now we've been brought into relationship with one another. And when Peter says we are being built into a spiritual house, he's speaking about the spiritual nature of the church and about living in relationship with one another. Among other things, he calls us a people belonging to God. We belong to God. He's our Father. The Greek word for church is is helpful in understanding what the church is because the word is ekklesia, which simply translated is called out. So the church is those who are called out. And so he describes the church in verse 9, 1 Peter 2. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, listen to this or see this, who, of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so if you are in Christ this morning, you have been, in essence, called out of the darkness into this wonderful light, and you're called together with others who have also been called out, and you're called into community, you're called into the church. Now, I've spent this time just underscoring this because I believe it's important to have a good theological understanding of the church, not just an experiential one. So many things about the church make sense when we truly understand who the church is and, and, and God's, you know, God's called out ones and what the church does. As Peter says here, he's, that you declare the praises of him who called you out. We do that in so many different ways, but when we gather like we did this, this morning and, 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 and online, I hope that even online you're engaging. And so whether it's singing the songs or whether you're praying the prayer that Pastor Adam led us in, it's, it's the sense that we are in this together, truly, not just some cliche, because life is better together. It really is a wonderful thing to think about, isn't it? That people of every tribe and nation and language, people of every age, called out, called together to be part of God's family, to live into community, and as we like to say at TCC, to walk with Jesus in the company of others. God is our Father. We are brothers and sisters. We're family. And Peter later commands his readers, he says, love the family of believers. The church is a family. Is that your understanding of church? Do you live that out? And, and, and is church in that sense, in sense of community, a high value and priority in your life? Because if it is, it's going to make a difference in some of the things that you choose to participate in. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Because what does this family do together? What does this community look like when it's in action? 
Let's turn to the verses that were read for us by, by Jackie Howley this morning, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And we see here in these verses that the early church was committed to these five practices. I'm just going to touch on them, and then I'm going to expand on the, on the one on community. But the first practice is one of teaching, right? They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This was so fundamental to them that they're growing in relationship with Jesus and with one another. Their, disciple, their discipleship was rooted in the Scriptures, And it simply underscores for us this morning the importance of the Bible. As a church, it's a given that we would highly value the Word of God, the Bible. And as individuals, we grow in our understanding of Jesus through reading the Bible. And it's an absolute necessity. It should be priority one in each of our lives. That whether we end the day there or start the day there or both. But it's important that we immerse ourselves in the Scriptures because that is how we get to know who God is. That is how we get to know who Jesus is and how he actually responded to people. Now, there's many ways that you can get into the Word, and some of you have been doing this for years, and you've got your devotional plans and your reading plans, and you have all those kind of things. But if you're struggling in this area to get something consistent, there are some great apps. Everybody's got a smartphone. You can use it in a good way um, when you're talking about reading Scripture. There's an app, if you want to write these down and look them up later, called Read Scripture that just helps you through, and sometimes it has, has a video that guides you through the reading that day. One of my favorites that I've started using lately is just an, L called, an app called Dwell, and it's actually Scripture read to you. And I love having this on, and you can pick different accents and different translations and, and uh, maybe background music if you like, and it kind of sets that, that tone. But then I'm actually reading the Word with me, and you know what I found? Is that it takes me about twice as long to read what I used to do because I would just kind of speed read and skim it because I wanted to get through it. But having somebody read it to you, then we become listeners of the Word as well, hearers of the Word. version is another great resource But check them out and make Scripture, make Bible teaching an important part of your your life. Secondly, worship. Right? When you read the verses here in Acts, it's very clear that there's this deep sense of awe and praise and joy, and it's reflected in their obvious dependence on prayer. And again, you know, it sounds so obvious, right? But again, if we're going to lay a foundation, we've got to start with some of these basic things. Read your Bible, pray, and you think, well, thanks, that's obvious. But do we do it? Is it a high value in our lives? Third thing that we see here in this text is serving, where they cared for one another, they met needs, they gave to support one another. The fourth thing is community. Luke, the writer of Acts, he uses the word here, fellowship, Now, we don't maybe use that word very much anymore, maybe because it seems so uniquely Christian. But but Luke also describes what this community did, and it helps us understand what fellowship is. They ate together. They they shared meals. They opened their homes to one another. So vital. I'll come back to that in a second. And number five, mission or evangelism. We're going to spend some time next week talking about this, but for right now, I just want us to notice how attractive this church was. Because people that were not yet called out, they were still living in darkness, looked at those who had been called into God's wonderful light, and they noticed how attractive the church was as it lived out this community. And thousands were added to their number. 
They wanted to be part of what they saw. So what does community look like in real life to us? Let me just expand a little bit more on the practice of of community. What does community look like for us? The Bible makes it clear that we need each other. That's the point I'm trying to make, that, that we're hardwired to want to belong, to be in relationship with others. And this concept of community is fleshed out by this Greek word koinonia, which is translated fellowship that I just talked about. And, and it carries the idea of this close association. And so other words that convey the same meaning is, are words like sharing and participation and partnership. Because we're meant to do life together. It's better that way. To share and to serve and to encourage and to partner and to belong to each other. Returning to the text in Acts 2, I just think that we can pull a few things here beyond these five practices to really understand a little bit about what was going on and what this community might look like in real life even today. And the first thing we see is that they had a common purpose. They, they, they gathered around the Word. They, they believed the same things. They were together. They had everything in common. And so they had their teaching in common, and they're worshiping together, and they're praying together. They're partnering together. And so they had this distinct set of beliefs and, and, and practices. And, and, and I don't know if Pastor Adam picked this song intentionally, but when we sang the creed, this I believe. We were basically saying, together, this is what we believe. And I was thinking, man, we should have changed the word. This is what we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus His Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in three and one. Right? Because we're declaring what it is that we have in common. And uh, one of the things that Pastor Adam, I don't think, went into detail on is his equip class that he'll be starting at the end of this month. It's called This I Believe, and it's just an overview of of the key things that we believe at TCC to be fundamental. And one of the things that we say about what we believe at TCC is this, is that in all of these essentials, we need to have unity. We're together on those things. In non-essentials, because there's a lot of those kind of things too where we can have different interpretations, different understandings. In those non-essentials, let's have lots of liberty or freedom. But in all things, charity, which means in all these things, we're still bound together in love. So consider, if you want to have just a good overview of what we believe as a church, to be part of that equip class uh, that begins at the end of the month. The second thing that I see here is just this deep sense of belonging, right? Because if you share a common purpose and you share common beliefs and you, you share common practices, you then suddenly sense, hey, I do belong. I have this sense of, of deep connection with one another. And later on in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, it says of all the believers that they were one in heart and mind. And so they had this deep connection. They were united together. The third thing that I think we can pull from these verses is just this idea of sharing. That there was a lot of sharing going on. And it wasn't just in stuff. It was just the sharing of lives because it says every day they met together and ate. Every day they met in homes. They met in the temple courts. They're just doing life together and they're actually living this out. So they're sharing their lives. 
They're sharing their struggles. They're sharing with, with authenticity the things that they're struggling with. And there's a realness to it. Sharing their experiences. Maybe those that had, had older kids that are very often married, they help give some guidance to those people that they knew that had younger kids. They shared their experiences, and of course, they, they shared their resources. This is stuff that we can do as a church, too, where we help one another. We have a, a ministry called Refugee Bridge that we partner with, and they, they're helping new immigrants come to Canada. Refugees come, and, and then they're collecting resources and getting them established in a home. And who doesn't have an extra couch or a bed or a dresser or a desk? That can say, hey, we're going we're gonna to help furnish an apartment or a condo or whatever this family might need. We have new immigrants in our family that come in or into our church family that come with nothing but a few suitcases and their belongings. But we can come alongside and share our resources to help them establish life here in Canada. Fourthly, as we're sharing, we're really partnering, right? We're, we're doing this life together. And the text I love there just says it's enjoying the favor of all the people. Because how can you not just enjoy being in a community like that, that is truly sharing life and experiences and resources, partnering together to help one another. Fifthly, this also then becomes very encouraging. And so the text says there that they were with glad and sincere hearts because they were hope-filled and joyful, and they were just experiencing this beautiful thing called community as they're helping and sharing and partnering and encouraging one another. And of course, the last one is just, it was loving. Because when you're doing all of these things together, it's just, it, it, it just is there. It's a mark of the Christian community. Because we're motivated by our love for God and for one another to share with and encourage one another. So what are some next steps that you can take in community? If you're going to do a reset and you want to think through some things, how can you make community a priority in your life in these coming um, months? Number one, I want to say make a commitment to a small group. Make a commitment to a small group. Whatever form that is, because the fact is, We need others, and others need us. And the great loss for many people due to COVID-19 has not so much been the in-person worship gathering, but rather a crucial piece of that weekly gathering, being with other believers. And at TCC, we, we had this immense privilege for years of not just having a worship service, but then enjoying a community around tables and around brunch. And I don't know how many times I've heard it said, and I feel my own, man, do I miss that. But it doesn't have to be only that. It can't be only that. Because in a small group, you are in community. And at TCC, there are many different types of small groups. Pastor Adam touched on that in the video this morning. And, and some of these small groups really are, are demographic groups in some cases. The youth is, is a, a small community, a subset of our, of our bigger congregation, our young adults. Refresh as the ladies gather together. These are all small communities, men's prayer. We meet at 6 a.m. online, it's, and, and this wonderful community has developed because we know what's happening in each other's lives, because we pray for one another <clears throat> and invite you to be a part 
of that or something like it. Home groups, as we saw. Watch parties. Friends, you can take the initiative on your own to gather with another family or two and say, hey, we're cohorting. Our kids are already carpooling to school together or whatever. Why don't we connect together on Sunday? Let's use all the precautions that we need to do, but let's, let's actually watch the service together in our home. And then we can have brunch together, again, being extremely vigilant about, about these things. So it's not about just throwing caution to the wind, but it's about taking the right steps and making sure that everyone's safe but that you're in community, that you belong there. Secondly, I want to say that you would make a commitment to membership at TCC. This is something that we don't talk about a whole lot, but there really is something to be said when a person intentionally chooses to belong to a specific church. God's plan is to have each of us identify ourselves with a church family. And he wants you to find a church family to put down roots and say, this is going to be my family. This is where I'm committed. I'm committed to it thick and thin. I'm in. And when you're part of a family, that's just it. You're all in. You don't choose to have dinner with a a different family every other night. You commit to a family. You opt in and you say, this is the family to which I belong. And some people might say, well, I'm a Christian. I just don't want to belong to any church. That seems so restrictive and archaic. But I honestly think that's like saying, you know, I want to play hockey in the NHL, but I don't want to belong to any specific team. It's going to float around. It's going to be a free agent. But there is a thing called membership where you say, you know what? I'm going to commit to these things. These are the responsibilities I'm going to take. And these are the blessings and the privilege of membership as well. And if you're even remotely interested in membership, on Thursday night this week on Zoom, we're having Church Life 101. It's a membership seminar where we'll we'll talk a little bit about our beliefs. We'll talk about our history. We'll talk about the things that we're doing as a church where you can go, you know what? I want to say I'm all into that. And I'm going to accept the responsibilities that go with that. And I'm going to receive the blessings that come with that as well. Thursday night, 7.30, you can sign up online. And lastly, make a commitment to the life and ministry of TCC. Because I hope by now it's clear that we're never meant to walk with Jesus on our own. We can't live the Christian life in isolation from one another. The author of the book of Hebrews lays out the priority of community like this. He says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on, toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we're going to encourage one another. We're going to support one another. We're going to call on one another. And that means that you get connected. You get engaged. You participate as you're able you support the church in prayer and with resources, and you just, you're, you're in. I want to be a part of this belong body. I am choosing to belong. This is my family, my community, and I'm going to do my part. You see, I believe we become what we're committed to. And if we're committed to community, we will continue to grow in our understanding of being the church 
in spite of the fact that we can't all meet together in one place at one time. I close with this quote, Wes Roberts and Glenn Marshall in a book titled Reclaiming God's Original Intent for the Church. Write this. As a community, we are called to make sense of the gospel to the watching world. When people want to know what it's like to live under the reign of God, they ought to be able to point to the Christian community and say, that's what it's like. How we live with one another and relate to the rest of the world is crucial to the purposes of the kingdom of God. Next week, we'll talk about how we relate to the rest of the world. But right now, how we live with one another is crucial to the purposes of the kingdom of God. And is it our priority? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for calling us out, calling us together. Father, right now I want to pray for those that have perhaps heard that call and they're listening online. They've been tuning in occasionally throughout the summer. They have yet, though, in their own hearts to say yes to Jesus. They've not rejected you. They've not walked away from you. They're tuned in. They're listening. But they have yet to receive you. Father, I pray that this morning, whether they're in homes or coffee shops, that there would be many who respond to that call, calling them out of darkness, that place where they're without mercy and without hope and without God, and called into relationship with you, and as a result, into relationship with one another. God, help us as we live out the truth of being the church. Help us, Father to be the church in community. We pray in Jesus' name.